Hey there, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. Welcome to Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. As always, my name is Stephen Craig. I am the host and author of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us this Thursday. It's a beautiful, wonderful Thursday out there. And, uh, yeah, in any case, um, let's get right to it this week. (laughs) This week, what are we talking about this week? Oh, yeah, sodomy. Um, and if that seems a little bit blunt and, uh, and a little bit disconcerting, um, it it shouldn't be, um, you know, we don't, I guess, uh, you know, a big part of what this week's column is all about is, uh, the fact that, uh, that there has been a long standing sort of, um, there's been a long standing, uh, pejorative in regards to that word and um in a way that uh intercourse for example uh doesn't um we don't necessarily have that same negative connotation uh when i say vaginal intercourse as compared to um as compared to sodomy and and of course a lot of that goes back to the biblical sodom and gomorrah thing um, but it, it has a lot to do with our cultural understanding about our sexuality and specifically about homosexuality uh, and gay sex in general. So um, and that, with no further ado, this is uh, sodomy at the dinner table. In order to introduce this week's topic for truth in a thousand words or less, I have to acknowledge that the topic around my family dinner table the other night was sodomy. Now, you could see this in one of two ways. You could appreciate the fact that we still engage in the nightly ritual of family dinners replete with genuine conversation, or you could be appalled by the notion that I was, in the midst of that same discussion, informing my 12-year-old of the meaning of the word sodomy, and all it might entail, please excuse the pun. By the way, (laughs) I've uh, I've read that line to several people. And uh, there's a very mixed reaction as to whether or not that line is funny. So I'll I'll leave it up to you to decide whether the entail is, is funny. I, I find it funny as hell, but I always crack myself up. But if you find yourself in the latter camp, the camp that does not find, um, the, find the camp that finds that an appalling dinner conversation, you may just want to check that perspective at the door. Because in my family, sodomy is not a dirty word, not something to be avoided or frowned upon. Because in my family, we believe in love in all its forms. So you will understand then when I was absolutely shocked when my girlfriend told me that sodomy laws still exist in 15 different states throughout our country. 15. Oh, I guess I figured there were still a couple archaic holdouts here and there. You know, the first few culprits that would easily come to mind. Yeah. I'm talking about you, Alabama, Utah, Kentucky. The places where religion and politics mingle just a little too closely for comfort, and the separation of church and state is merely a fanciful notion no one really takes seriously or knows much about. You know, the home states for all those evangelical Christians who somehow end up getting caught trying to solicit sex from little boys in airport bathrooms? Utah. But 15 different states? How is it possible that almost a third of our nation still reaffirms a bigotry that goes back centuries? In fairness, sodomy laws are rarely enforced or invoked, and all cases brought in recent years have been summarily dismissed from the court, with the United States Supreme Court 
essentially essentially invalidating all remaining sodomy laws in the 2013 case of Lawrence versus Texas. And I want to stop there just for a second because before I go further, um, uh, like there are at this point, uh, as of 2013, in that case that I just mentioned, Lawrence versus Texas, um, it is in fact you cannot uh, that law essentially, that essentially invalidated. There, you cannot be prosecuted in any of the United States uh, for sodomy. However, these laws are still on the books, right? And so, say the Supreme Court decided to flip on um, on that case of Lawrence versus Texas, which you know clearly is planning to do in the case of Roe versus Wade, right? You depend upon um, the federal law for protection um, from state law because states are sometimes batshit fucking crazy. Yes, we're talking about you, Florida. And um, and you're not they're, not, they're not the only ones, but yeah. So, um, and so you hope that you get protection on the federal level, um, but if the federal courts were, if the United States Supreme Court were to overturn that decision, and with a six to three conservative majority, eh, right? So, um, so as much as this might seem to be um, a, a moot point, it really isn't. Um, in any case, getting back to the point, right? Can you imagine the prospect of facing criminal charges for the intimate acts you engage in within the private confines of your own bedroom? Just knowing that very real possibility lingers out there like a dark shroud lurking around the corner must give the gay community in those states pause and serve as an ever-present reminder of their status as second-class citizens whose rights, for some reason, are less worthy of the assured protection of our supposed justice system. After all, what does freedom mean if not the right to self-autonomy and personal choices when it comes to matters of what one does with another consenting adult in the private confines of their own abode? Freedom from government oppression is a phrase that gets thrown around a lot these days, invoked in the name of defending one's right to not wear a mask when going into public places, to refuse to get vaccinated, or to own enough guns and ammunition to make Scarface jealous. But when the founding fathers of this great democracy were rambling on about the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, what more could they have had in mind than getting to decide who you have sex with and how? Can you imagine the governments of the great states, and I use that term quite loosely here, of Kentucky, Kansas, or God forbid, Texas, specifically outlawing heterosexual acts? The freedom lovers in these states would be up in arms about their constitutional rights and government overreach. And to be honest, they'd be correct. But for some reason, these states still have laws on the books that specifically target homosexual practices. And while these laws may have been rendered moot in terms of their pragmatic application, they remain a symbol of the long-standing homophobia that has been a stain on this nation's track record of equal justice under the law. The first state to repeal its sodomy law was Illinois in 1961. 1961. That means that just 61 years ago, gay sex was illegal in each and every state of the country. That for nearly 200 years of our nation's history, two consenting adults could be criminally charged and prosecuted for engaging in acts of same-sex intercourse. Consensual, by the way. Right. Yes, we have come a long way in those intervening years. 
with the gay community making monumental strides in terms of both legal protection and cultural acceptance. But to let that legacy remain, even if the governing case law has been revoked, is a brutal reminder of how we have often failed to rise to our own well-intentioned principles of constitutional democracy. Regardless of these laws' current impotence, it is vital that we signal to the gay community that their lifestyle and choices are as vibrantly and virulently supported as everyone else's by striking down sodomy laws as a gesture that reaffirms our commitment to defend the rights of one and all. Uh, in any case, folks, uh, yeah, that one, I was, uh, I have to admit, every once in a while, I get surprised by just how unfortunately bigoted our country sometimes remains. Um, hopefully, it, it, listen, it's, it's about time for those 15 laws to go. Um, sodomy shouldn't be, um, we shouldn't be making laws of criminal prosecution. There should be no laws on the books for the criminal prosecution of one group based upon their sexual orientation it's absolutely crazy and you know who agrees with me on that a man john Mayer. that's right john take us on out of here but you know how it goes thanks for joining us this week folks i'll see you back here next week we'll be talking about uh about the bill maher dust up i have to go uh i have to go and actually write that one right now but uh i'll have it for you ready Ready Willie back here uh, next Thursday. You folks have a good week until then. My name is Stephen Craig. I'm the host and author of Truth in a Thousand Words Lesson. I'll see you next week. Peace out, y'all.